Welcome into another episode of Locked On Phillies. In today's episode, I'm going to tell you why I think the Philadelphia Phillies didn't make the trade for Corbin Burns that the Baltimore Orioles did and break that down. Also, there have been some interesting rumors around Phillies free agency targets. I'm going to break down a couple of big names that have been linked to the Phillies, just through rumors only. And we're debuting a new segment, Opening Day is 52 days away and in our final little uh chat period in this episode we're going to start giving the best players to wear the number of how many days we have till opening day all of that on today's episode of locked on phillies you are locked on phillies your daily philadelphia phillies podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Yes, this is Locked On Phillies. I'm your host, Connor Thomas. Thank you so much for checking us out. Please make sure you're rating, reviewing, subscribing to the YouTube, all that great stuff really helps us out uh, here on Locked On Phillies and the Locked On Podcast Network in general. And we are, of course, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. We're getting closer to pitchers and catchers reporting. It's February 5th as I record this, February 14th, Valentine's Day, and love is not going to be the only thing in the air. Baseballs will be in the air down in Clearwater as pitchers and catchers report for the Philadelphia Phillies. So it's coming up. It's right around the corner. I'm excited, just like you guys are. We got a new segment going on a little bit later on in the episode with the opening day countdown, but I want to start with my thoughts on the Corbin Burns trade. So in case you missed it, the Milwaukee Brewers dealt ace Corbin Burns to the Baltimore Orioles. Just the Orioles get a new owner or a new couple of owners. And then next thing you know, they're trading for an ace. What a time to be an Orioles fan. But a lot of Phillies fans, a lot of fans around baseball in general were upset because the paying price for that was one comp pick in the first round, which people were like, can you trade uh, draft picks since when? You can trade compensatory picks. So Baltimore sent one compensatory pick in the first round, as well as two prospects who are 25 years old each and not in their top five, I believe, at the time. They're like those mid-range kind of little bit on the older side of what you'd like prospects to be names. And you look at that price and you say, okay, well, could the Phillies have done that? Could the Phillies have paid what the Baltimore Orioles paid for Corbin Burns. And it would seem that a lot of fans of a lot of teams believe their team could have afforded the asking price for Corbin Burns. I'll tell you right off the bat, could the Phillies have made this trade? Absolutely. They have the firepower in their minor league system. They have the assets that they could have traded for Corbin Burns. So why didn't they? Uh, Let me talk you through it a little bit from this perspective, right? Because people like Corbin Burns, that would have been a huge upgrade to the rotation. Corbin Burns is on an expiring deal. This is the last year of his current contract. So if you trade for Corbin Burns, you're looking at it as potentially a one-year rental, right? You're giving up prospects that could be valuable at the trade deadline or in future seasons for a guy that's going to be here for a year. Now, you would 
give a huge boost to the rotation. So I'm not saying you're wrong if you want the Phillies to have Corbin Burns on the roster. Like, he's a great pitcher. We know this. Like, Cy Young caliber year in and year out. So why didn't the Phillies do it? I'm telling you from the Phillies' perspective, not so much my perspective. Part of me wishes they would have made this trade. Part of me understands why they didn't. Because the money you have committed to Aaron Nola already this offseason is significant. And Zach Wheeler is going to be a free agent after this season. You're going to have to sign Zach Wheeler. And part of the reason the Phillies haven't done it yet, I believe, is because they don't want it to count towards the luxury tax for this year. If you could push that off to in, in-season uh, extension or a after-this-season re-signing, you won't have to worry about that number counting towards this year. So it gives them a little bit more cap flexibility to not have signed Wheeler to an extension at this point. But let me ask you this. like As good as Corbin Burns is, from the Phillies' perspective, would you want Zach Wheeler or Corbin Burns? I, I look at that and I say they're only going to be able to re-sign one of those guys after the season if they make the trade for Corbin Burns. And I would argue that Zach Wheeler is the more valuable pitcher because of his postseason experience. Zach Wheeler, let's not forget, is one of the most accomplished postseason pitchers by numbers in the history of baseball. He is absolutely lights out in the biggest moment of the season. Corbin Burns is a really good regular season pitcher who hasn't gotten a lot of opportunity to show his stuff in the postseason. Zach Wheeler is a really good regular season pitcher who has proven himself in the postseason. So if you're asking me, head-to-head, Wheeler, Burns. I'm taking Wheeler. I'm not thinking twice about it. It's close, but I'm going to stick with Zach Wheeler. And I imagine that's how the Philadelphia Phillies would evaluate it as well. I'm not trying to say Corbin Burns is not a good pitcher. He's a very, very good pitcher. But I'm saying I think they saw it and said it's a one-year rental because if it comes down to it, and it will at the end of the year to re-sign one of those guys, Wheeler or Burns, we're going with Wheeler. So that's already a knock against trading for Burns. The other thing I think is that the Philadelphia Phillies feel confident in where their rotation is, right? They feel good with Nola, Wheeler, Walker, Suarez, Sanchez, not necessarily in that order, but those five guys. And they have some minor league arms that we've been hearing about for a while. Griff McGarry, Mick Abel, uh, Andrew Painter is not going to be available this year as he recovers from Tommy John, but, Looking long-term, you say, okay, we have some assets down there in the minors that could help us in the rotation. So is it worth it to spend valuable assets? They might not be your number one prospect, but if you're moving guys in the top 10 or 15 of your minor league system, those could be potentially players that you use to acquire someone at the trade deadline. If you make that move, you lose some assets. You restrict yourself a little bit at the trade deadline. Here's what I think, right? These before the season trades are for teams that feel that they need to add the Philadelphia Phillies. What have they told us all off season by their inactivity? They don't think they need to add anything significant. And I agree with them. They're very close to where they want to be, which is hoisting the world series went two years ago, NL championship game this past year or championship game championship series uh, this past year. They're right on the cusp. And I think they want to see what this team has before they make any big moves. And to see what this team has would be to play the first couple months of the season, get to the trade deadline, and then see who else is available. There's also a chance that they still do something in free agency. And the starters they've been looking to add, outside of Yoshinobu Yamamoto, 
which was a unique circumstance. The guy's 25 years old and he's already a proven asset. Those guys don't come available at that age in free agency like ever. But outside of him, they haven't really been willing to pay for a top-of-the-line starter and go after guys like that. They're looking more for swing guys that have minor league options that can add versatility to the roster, flexibility, and can round out the contingency plan if one of your starters gets hurt and you need someone for an extended period of time. Outside of Yamamoto, the Phillies have done nothing that proves that they're interested in adding another top-end starter, and they already added one by getting Aaron Nola back here and re-signing him. So I look at it and I say, if the Phillies have been telling us all offseason long, they're comfortable where we're at. If I've been saying I agree with that and I'm comfortable with where the Phillies are at, and I want them to have as much flexibility as possible at the trade deadline in season when you might be hunting for the division title, then that makes me feel a lot more comfortable with them not trading for Corbin Burns. So it's not so much that Burns is not a talented pitcher. It's not so much that the Phillies couldn't pay the price. It's that I think it was a commitment to an asset that is going to be gone after this year at a position they don't necessarily need to bring in a big name at. And I think there are spots on the roster that are more dire. Outfield depth, maybe an outfield starter, Brandon Marsh and Johan Roas don't work out this year. Uh, power bat off the bench, more bullpen help, stuff like that, I think is more valuable than adding to this starting rotation right now. I really like the Phillies rotation. I think all of this is what factored into the Phillies not making the trade for Corbin Burns. I know people are out there upset that there was seemingly a low price paid for a valuable pitcher, but I look at the Phillies and I say, I think they're comfortable with where they're at. I think they should be comfortable with where they're at. And I'm okay with them not trading for Corbin Burns. But some people feel that he was too good of an option to pass up, especially for the price that was paid. Uh, This is my opinion on it. If you disagree, feel free to let me know in the comments here on YouTube, or you can tweet at me at ConnorThomas975. You see it if you're watching on YouTube. It's down in the corner over here, my handle. Uh, So uh, let me know if you disagree. I think that's why they didn't, and that's why I'm comfortable with them not trading for Corbin Burns. But shout-out to the Orioles. Shout-out to the guys over at Locked On Orioles. That's a big get for them, and I really like what Baltimore's done this offseason. Coming up, we'll talk about some rumors that have been linked to the Phils, though, because even though they were not in on the Corbin Burns trade, doesn't mean they're done doing stuff. There are a couple interesting names, and I want to break down how I feel about both of them as we continue Locked on Phillies. Let me tell you about FanDuel Sportsbook first, though. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and places some super bets. I mean, it's the Super Bowl. you got to celebrate it. And FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, is the best place for you to do just that. I'm going to place my coin toss bet with FanDuel Sportsbook. I haven't decided what it's going to be yet, but uh, listen, they've got the Gatorade color, the first touchdown score, kickoff out of the end. You can't even imagine all the bets FanDuel has on the Super Bowl. So not only can you bet on who will win the Super Bowl, here's some examples. Super Bowl 58. You can bet on which players will score, how many points will be scored, so much more stuff with FanDuel. New customers, you join today, and you're going to get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. So there were some rumors circulating recently about free agents that have not yet been signed. So the initial thought with Cody Bellinger was that he was going back to Chicago, but 
A couple of league executives or front office members have said that they could see the Phillies as a dark horse team for potentially Cody Bellinger. And also Jordan Montgomery, who you last saw with the Texas Rangers this past year, winning a World Series, a starter that I think could slot into the middle of the rotation for the right price. And I know I just had that whole talk about Corbin Burns that I don't think the Phillies will add there. Um, uh, that's an opportunity for the Phillies, the fact that Jordan Montgomery is available and they've been linked questionably to these players. Why do I say questionably? Well, let's start with Bellinger, right? I'll just give you my, my thoughts flat out. I'll be as candid as possible. Cody Bellinger is not going to be a member of the Philadelphia Phillies. It doesn't make any sense. It's not realistic. I don't think they're going to commit that amount of money that he's going to command. It doesn't work in a lot of senses. So, Johan Rojas and Brandon Marsh need to play. They have to. You can't just keep going mercenary free agent at every position. Big money guy at every position. Just bringing these guys in left and right and trying to piece it together. Eventually, you're going to see Kyle Schwarber playing a different uniform. Nick Castellanos playing a different uniform. JT Remuto playing a different uniform. Zach Wheeler, potentially, if he does not re-sign could be in a different uniform as soon as next year. There are some guys, this era of Phillies baseball has maybe one or two more years before guys start getting moved again, where you're pretty much locked into what this roster has. And part of the contingency plan is figuring out if Rojas can play at the major league level, if Marsh can be an everyday player, and I'd have him in left field. And you're not going to figure that out if you bring Cody Bellinger to start over them. Like, you're just not. If Cody Bellinger signs here, Marsh is going to play center, left, or right, or wherever. And then Rojas will probably be in AAA. They're not going to keep him on the bench. And you're blocking guys that I think the team is really interested in figuring out what they have. Would Cody Bellinger be a nice addition? Sure. Is it good long-term for the Philadelphia Phillies to go another year or two or three or however many without knowing who the young players to potentially replace some of these aging players is? No, it, it doesn't make sense. And he's not going to come here and be on the bench. I think – bringing in a bench player who could be a backup plan to Rojas or Marsh if they don't play well this year is fine. That's why I like Kike Hernandez. But Cody Bellinger is too high profile of a player. He's not going to ride the bench. They're not going to put Rojas on the bench because they want to get him at bats. And I need Marsh to be an everyday player. See what he's got. It it just doesn't remotely make sense to me to commit an amount of money to Cody Bellinger to come here and play. Like, I, I don't see it. It doesn't fit with the philosophy that the Phillies have been demonstrating this offseason. It doesn't make sense in any sense to me. (laughs) So I don't think Cody Bellinger is going to be a Philadelphia Philly. I don't see that as likely or realistic. That's me putting that rumor to bed, at least in my personal perspective. The Jordan Montgomery one, I also don't think is going to happen. But this one you could sell me on. Like this one, I see the logic behind it. I've mentioned him before on the podcast as a name that's very interesting to me. He's not a top of the line starter. It's not like it's Blake Snell, but he's a guy that was on a world series winning team last year, playoff experience. He's that mid rotation arm. That's trustworthy, not too expensive, but also not a guy that's going to cost you many games. He's a guy that's just going to go out and take care of his business. Nothing crazy flashy. Uh, I think he's a guy that would really, really fit in well with this team and fit in well with this rotation And then what you do if you bring him in is Christopher Sanchez would be in a position where maybe you'd move him to the bullpen. He'd be available as a swing starter, just like Matt Strom was this past year. You solve a spot in the rotation. And I don't think Christopher Sanchez 
is as high of a priority to be in the starting rotation as Brandon Marsh and Johan Rojas are to be in the starting outfield. I like Christopher Sanchez a lot. Maybe Walker goes to the bullpen. Maybe Suarez goes to the bullpen. I don't know. But you can move those guys easier than I think it is to move the outfield guys we were talking about before. So I look at that and I say, I could see Montgomery. He's a mid-price guy. Bellinger, high-price guy. He could slot in and start and not really block anybody you're concerned with. Bellinger couldn't do that. And Montgomery has that winning pedigree from just this past year. Uh, that's valuable too. Uh, not that Bellinger hasn't been on good teams before, but just y- you get what I'm saying. Like there's a proven winner that had Jordan Montgomery on him last on that team last year. And we know that the Phillies, right? They went in on Yamamoto. They tried to got outbid. They were looking at other bullpen arms. You'd get another one with Christopher Sanchez or Ranger Suarez moving if you made the move for Jordan Montgomery. So it, it seems to align more with what the Philadelphia Phillies have told you by their actions, that they'd be interested in. Starting pitching is a place that they're not comfortable. Now, I don't think they'll commit to a starter like Jordan Montgomery, but I don't think they're going to get an outfielder at all. I think they're going to bring in someone else who could start. It'll just be someone maybe on a minor league deal, or they'll call up one of the guys from the minor leagues to to be a swing starter if they need to due to injury. Uh, You could sell me on the thought process behind Jordan Montgomery. I don't think it's going to happen, but I believe – the idea more. The Bellinger thing is a non-starter for me. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't have a fit for the team. He's a really good player. I don't know that the Philadelphia Phillies are truly interested. But again, some executives think the Phillies could be a dark horse for both of those players. They're kind of laying in wait. Part of me thinks this way, right? Part of me thinks that people are getting antsy that Dave Dombrowski's been so quiet. And we're getting into a zone of, okay, Dave Dombrowski's always aggressive. He hasn't done much this offseason. The Phillies are going to be dark horse candidates for everybody now because other executives expect him to make a move. Everything I've been hearing about Dave Dombrowski's demeanor is that he is calm and cool and as relaxed as he's ever been for an offseason, for some people that have known him a long time. That screams comfortable with where the team is. I'm fine with that. I've already told you I'm okay with the whole running back mentality. I think this team is closer than they are far away. And I think that the reason you're seeing these rumors pop up is because other executives are getting antsy because they believe Dave Dombrowski is still going to do something. And I believe he's very comfortable with where he is. So that's how I feel about the rumors. That's how I feel about those individual players. I don't think either of them are likely, but I see Jordan Montgomery as the much more likely potential candidate for the Phillies to be a dark horse in on in free agency than Bellinger, who I just, I don't think that's realistic whatsoever. Coming up, we're going to do a new segment and something that's going to be a recurring segment between now and opening day. I'll explain to you what it is and who doesn't love an opening day countdown, right? I'll tell you how close we are. You can see it on the graphic on YouTube, 52 days. What does that mean for this segment? I'll explain to you next as we wrap up Locked on Phillies. All right, so this is something that I'm borrowing from our friends over at Locked On Reds. Shout out Jeff Carr, who does a great job over there covering the Cincinnati Reds for the Locked On Podcast Network. And he gave me this idea because they've been doing this. A countdown to opening day, but a little twist on it. I could just tell you how many days there are to opening day, but something that's fun I think people would enjoy is we're going to give you the best player in Philadelphia Phillies franchise history 
to where that number. So, for example, today we have 52 days till opening day for the Phillies, which is March 28th. Feels close, right, guys? It's right around the corner. I can't believe how close we are. Pitchers and catchers, then spring training action, then opening day. It's right here. Oh, my. I love this time of year. And now I'll have to break down for you who the best Philadelphia Philly to ever wear the number 52 is. And I've got it easily. It's kind of wild that this happened, that I just happened to start doing this this day. I promise I didn't plan this, but it just happened to start. It's Monday. Got this idea over the weekend. Ricky Batalico, a good friend of mine, friend of the show, uh, co-worker of mine over at 97.5 The Fanatic, wore number 52 with the Philadelphia Phillies. He was an all-star in his career. Uh, he owned Barry Bonds in his career. I'm going to go ahead and give the number 52 to one Ricky Batalico. Fun fact, his name on his birth certificate is actually Ricky. It's not Richard or anything like that. It's not Rick. No, it's Ricky. Uh, but, yeah, Ricky was a really strong relief pitcher for the Phillies, bounced around a little bit besides playing in Philadelphia, but he was a staple of the bullpen of some of those teams a little bit before my time when I was old enough to appreciate the sport. But, yeah, he was he was a guy that uh, had plenty of success at the major league level. And now, of course, I had to pick him because I'm going to see him when I go into work at the station. He's going to get mad at me. He's going to be like, I, I wore 52. You didn't pick me. So I think part of the fact that I have to see the guy <laughs> multiple times in the week means that he had the inside track to winning the honor for number 52. But, yes, we have 52 days until opening day. And in my opinion, the best Philly to ever wear the number 52 was Ricky Batalico. Did I miss another number 52 that was great? I looked down the list, and he seemed like as good a choice as any, but you can let me know in the comments as well. Tomorrow, 51 days. So start thinking about who you would pick as the best Philadelphia Philly to ever wear the number 51. As we get lower down, obviously we're going to have some tougher choices to make, so it'll be a fun little exercise to help you realize just how close we are to baseball that matters. Not spring training, not guys you never heard of, no, baseball that matters for the Philadelphia Phillies. The season's right around the corner, and it's going to be a great one for the Philadelphia Phillies. Thank you so much for checking us out. Really appreciate it. Please make sure, again, if you haven't yet, make sure you're rating, reviewing, wherever you consume your podcasts. If you're watching us on YouTube, thank you for checking us out. Please make sure you subscribe. It really helps me out if you subscribe to the content. It gets you new notifications anytime anything's posted. Uh, it costs you nothing. It takes like two seconds. Like It really is the easiest thing in the world to do, but it means a significant difference to me. So if you like my content, there's nothing better you can do then subscribe to the YouTube channel for Locked on Phillies. I really appreciate anyone who's done that already and anyone who's going to. And Locked on Phillies is part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. So we'll be back tomorrow with another episode. And uh, I have some questions to answer from our mailbag segment. So a lot of good stuff coming on tomorrow's episode. We are back. I don't know if I mentioned this, but we're back to five days a week now. So there's no more a couple episodes here, a couple episodes there during our off-season programming. We're back to five days a week. Every day of the week, you're getting new episodes. Weekends off, obviously. But, yeah, so that's how you know it's baseball season right around the corner. Stay locked into Locked on Phillies for everything you need to know. And I will talk to you all next time on the next episode of Locked on Phillies.